heavenly armor will enter the land. The battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fashioned against us will stand. The battle belongs. To Greetings, I'm Will Tompkins, and this is the Narrow Way Podcast. This series of episodes is our 17-week study of John Bunyan's timeless book, The Pilgrim's Progress, edited by C.J. Lovick. This edition is available on Amazon in both paper and on the Kindle e-reader. It is also available on the Crossway Books website. Links to both are available in the description text of the first episode of this series. Power of darkness comes in like a flood. The battle belongs to the Lord. He's raised up a standard, the power of his blood. The battle belongs to the Lord. In our previous episode, which covered chapter 4, A Fierce Battle and a Dark Valley, We left Christian as he was completing his journey through the valley of the shadow of death, during which he learned these spiritual truths. 1. That there is a heavy price to pay for lack of full faith, the kind of faith James speaks of in chapter 1, faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. 2. That his progress, even in the face of giants, is a reminder of God's ultimate sovereignty over all our trials. God's plan and purposes are always good, and they include every trial as well as every triumph. And 3. That it is through trials that our faith is both revealed and strengthened, making our deliverance all the more sweet. And number four, that we must finish the race. In this episode, covering chapter five of our text, A Faithful Friend, Christian learns these additional spiritual truths. The delight of Christian fellowship, the danger of spiritual pride, the defeat caused by shame, and that discontent robs us of our joy. And now, an overview of today's text. Christian is joined in his journey by Faithful, and they share in some profitable conversation. And as Faithful gives an account of his own time in the Valley of Humiliation, we see how different his experience was from Christian's. And as a result, we learn that Christian life is not a cookie-cutter experience. Of course, the gate, the narrow way, the cross, the river are all there for all of us. But the enemies and trials along the way are varied for each of us. We will be able to see very clearly the difference between mere intellectual understanding of the truths of the gospel and having the actual experience of grace and power in a regenerate heart that enable us to believe and live out these truths. Now, the chief character of this chapter is, of course, Faithful. Now, you will recall that towards the end of his time in the valley of the shadow of death, Christian hears someone reciting from the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And the reciter was, of course, faithful, whom Christian somewhat desperately now wants as a travel companion. And so as fast as he can, he runs up the little ascent after him. But faithful is moving rather swiftly himself, away from evil and destruction. Christian eventually overtakes faithful and is quite pleased with himself for doing so. But because of his prideful boast, he stumbles and falls to the ground unable to right himself without Faithful's help. So Faithful does what? He offers Christian his hand, and with that helping hand, Christian is able to stand, and with this, their friendship is sealed. So what's the first lesson of the little ascent and Christian's stumble and his ultimate fall? Well, it is the value of Christian fellowship. We can be greatly helped by those who walk with us along the way, even for a short distance, especially as we see God at work in their lives and in our own. Number two, Christian's heart was overrun with spiritual pride. Paul warns us of pride in Philippians, even as he exhorts us to care for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Before he tells us, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. He first says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Now, the order of these verses is significant. If we concern ourselves with the interests of others, even rightly motivated, and we lack humility, we will be in danger of falling into spiritual pride. This ought to remind us that many of our stumbles are the direct result of what? Pride and vanity. We are warned in the book of Proverbs 16.18 that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now let's turn our attention to one of the most important and pivotal characters in our text, Faithful. Christian is surprised to learn that his new traveling companion walked through the valley of the shadow of death in sunshine, without all the assaults from the evil things brought about by the darkness, such as the fiends, the hobgoblins, and the dragons. Now why was Faithful able to walk through in the light? Because as Bunyan Ministries writes, faithful has that specific strength of faith whereby such assaults are more readily cast aside. And so we learn that faithful and Christian are very different in a number of ways. Faithful represents a simple, more common man than Christian. He is less complicated, less fearful, and more humble. It is the carnal traps of this world that tempt faithful, while Christian, on the other hand, is more inclined towards deathly fears about his own guilt. Faithful receives the promises of God without wavering and thereby escapes being mired in the swamp of despond and the darkness in the valley of the shadow of death. Faithful has followed the admonition of James, 
But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Now Christian tells of his own experiences, but without much detail. Now some write this is because of regret, regret that he was not able to avoid the darkness, perhaps the result of faith not as strong as his brother's. Now he tells of his battle, his fierce battle with Apollyon, that he was fearful of death, that he understood losing his sword because of the crushing pressure was a decisive moment in the battle, and that had it not been for Michael's intervention would have sealed his fate. And three, that he cried to God in all prayer, indicating his hope, and God answered. And of course, he tells of his experiences in the valley of the shadow of death and the darkness therein for him. Now, some suggest this passage relates to the intense persecution Bunyan suffered as a separatist standing against the state church. Here's some backstory. When Bunyan was on trial for his additional term, the judge wrote this, having been completely frustrated with his continuing preaching of the word without a license. The judge wrote, You must be had back again to prison and there lie for three months following. And at three months' end, if you do not submit to go to church to hear divine service and leave your preaching, you must be banished from the realm. And if, after such a day as shall be appointed you to be gone, you shall be found in this realm, or be found to come over again without special license from the king, you must stretch by the neck for it. I tell you plainly, the judge wrote. As is the case with all of us, even those men and women married for decades, Christian and faithful face different challenges and difficulties in this life, which, of course, is Bunyan's way of reminding us that God's children are not stamped from the same mold. We are unique. Christian and faithful are united by the fact that they are both sinners saved by grace, and it is this same grace that saved them both, no matter how different the sin that shaped their hearts. So what is the message in this passage for us, loved ones? It is a confirmation of how desperately important Christian companionship is in our walk. Not just any companionship, mind you, but Christian companionship. So examine the people you spend time with, remembering always 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? This does not, of course, apply to our work for the Great Commission. But in all things, ask, is it righteous? Does it bring glory to the Father? Now Christian asks about those still in the city of destruction that he left some time ago. Faithful first reports on pliable. After his apostasy, that is, the abandonment of a religious belief, Pliable has been mocked by his neighbors. Faithful quotes Second Peter, verse 2. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turned their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. 
Of them the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. And then there is the Lord's rebuke of the lukewarm in Revelation. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. It is, loved ones, a wise pilgrim who from time to time checks their own temperature. Faithful now tells Christian that Pliable has been branded a coward and a despicable one at that. He also reports on Christian's neighbors and the city in general. He says many were talking about him and his journey of faith, although many called it a desperate journey, even though most did not believe there was a certain tone of admiration. Even so, God's work is never hampered by unbelief. In fact, in spite of all the negative talk in the city of destruction after Christian departed, the mere fact that the gospel was being talked about was enough for others to question their own unbeliefs or to strengthen their resolve to escape. Hence, we have faithful. This is why, loved ones, we as a body of believers must continue to lift up the gospel by both word and deed, and not just privately, but also publicly, even though we are assured, assured that fiery darts will come our way. Now Christian wants to know more about his new companion's journey, what other troubles or difficulties he might have had along the way. Christian uh, listens to Faithful as he tells him about Madame Wanton, who he was propositioned by, who intended to do him much harm. Christian, grateful that Faithful escaped her clutches, reminds him that the same thing happened to Joseph. Genesis 39, Joseph escaped her trap. As you may recall, the wife of Potiphar, an Egyptian official, the captain of the guard, uh, tries to seduce Joseph. He manages to escape, but not without her clutching onto his cloak, which he's forced to leave behind. So then viciously turns on him for spurning her and tells her husband that he tried to seduce her. And for this, he was imprisoned for two years. I'm sure you know the rest of the story. Back to Faithful. He relates, How flattering was Madame Wanton's tongue. She pressed me hard to go with her by promising all sorts of sensual pleasure. But she did not tell of the conscience that would have been mortally wounded. Proverbs 7.23 Till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Her perverted words were leading faithful into a deep pit. Bunyan Ministries writes, She promoted her mouth as sweet as honey, while in fact it proved to be as bitter as wormwood. Now from Proverbs 5, 3, 4, For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. And thus her speech was really a deceptive and deep pit leading to hell for those cursed by the Lord. Proverbs 5, 5, Her feet go down to death, 
Her steps lead straight to the grave. Well, he finally escapes her bewitching looks only by turning away. Proverbs 6.25, Do not lust in your heart after her beauty and let her captivate you with her eyes. The lesson, loved ones, turn your eyes away from sin. The importance of Christian fellowship instilled by the maidens at House Beautiful is now strengthened as Christian offers both an ear to hear and a mature advice to the one who had lifted him up when he fell. This action demonstrates the differences in what they experience as well as in how they handle their difficulties. Listen now to this comment by R. M. Fry pointing out the differences between the two brothers in the Lord. And I quote, Faithful is a more fleshly man than Christian, less profound perhaps, and certainly less proud. His temptations accordingly differ from Christians, and he is less morbidly fearful about his own guilt. He has no difficulty at the slough of despond. He does, however, have a tempting encounter with a lustful Madame Wanton outside the gate, and she promises him all manner of content, more humble than Christian, but also more conventional. He is tempted in the Valley of Humiliation not by the massive onslaughts of Apollyon, but by the rather bourgeois appeals of discontent and shame who taunt him with his violation of conventional mores. Now, at this point, Faithful describes his meeting with old Adam I at the bottom of the hill of difficulty, where his flesh continues to be attacked. Before proceeding, a question. If there's Adam I, presumably there's another. Who would that be? Well, we look at 1 Corinthians 15.47. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven, which, of course, is our Lord Christ Jesus. It seems, however, that unlike his companion, Faithful did not drink from the spring set there for the refreshment of passing pilgrims at the bottom of the hill of difficulty. Kelman, another commentator, writes, Adam I is an extension of the idea of wanton, representing an appeal not to any one appetite, but to the entire sensuous side of a man, to all that is of the earth that is earthy. This episode corresponds to Christian's sleep in the arbor on that same hill of difficulty, and the difference of experience is determined simply by the different natures of the two men, it was natural for Faithful to take his relaxation in a broader and more voluptuous form than Christian, yet their temptation is the same. Adam I lived in the town of Deceit, and he had three daughters, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. In an attempt to recruit Faithful, Adam I offers him status, inheritance, his house, and his three daughters in polygamous marriage. First John 2.15-17 Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father but from the world. 
the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. On the forehead of old Adam I, it was written, put off the old man with his deeds. Again, Kelman writes, but at last faithful looks him straight in the face and sees the truth. The flesh ever wins by side glances and suggestions. But when you look sin directly in the eye with an unclouded vision, it only disgusts. So Christian asks, what did you do? Well, he answered. I looked at him straight on and said, why it came burning hot into my mind that whatever he said and however he flattered yet when he lured me into his house, then he would sell me as a slave, a slave to lustful sin, a pathway to hell. Listen, loved ones, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1. This is what Adam I was offering, the faithful, a yoke of slavery. Listen now to this admonition from Galatians. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Amen. Faithful tells Christian, as I was running away, I felt him take hold of my flesh and give me such a deadly pinch that I thought he had pulled a part of me off for himself. This alludes to the sting of sin's power hidden in the flesh, but ever ready to attack. We continue now with Faithful. He says, this made me shriek, O wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Romans 7.24 Now, Faithful continues, and he meets Moses at the arbor. So when he got to the arbor, and because he had a secret desire to go with Adam, a man ran to him and knocked him down. And Faithful tells Christian, Just as soon as the man overtook me without a word, he struck me down and left me for dead. And when I asked him why, he struck and beat me again. I pleaded with him for mercy, but he replied that he did not know how to show mercy and that he knocked me down once again. Undoubtedly, he would have completely finished me off had it not been for another person who came and demanded that he immediately cease with his assault. Who was it? asked Christian. Well, at first I did not recognize him, but then as he passed by, I noticed the holes in his hands as well as his side. Then I concluded that he was our Lord. So I continued on up the hill. Listen, loved ones, forgiveness and mercy belong only to the Lord, to no one else. Christian told Faithful that the attacker was Moses who does not know how to show mercy to anyone who transgresses the law. As an aside, Faithful told Christian that Moses had visited him before. At home, he threatened to burn his house over his head if he stayed in the city of destruction. Now discontent steps into Faithful's walk because he is dissatisfied with his progress. 
Having been set back by his troubles on the hill of difficulty with Adam, he was now more determined than ever to gain ground. So much so, in fact, that he did not stop at the house beautiful. So instead of seeking refreshment, instruction, and the full armor of God, he pressed on. And as he goes down into the valley, he is now tempted to be disappointed with his progress. And as a result, he finds that he's been joined by one discontent. Now, discontent tries to convince him to turn back. He tells faithful that the valley of humiliation was altogether without honor. He told him that if I went into the valley, I would be disobeying all of my friends, such as pride and arrogance, self-conceit, worldly glory, and others he knew. But stronger now, because of his recent trials, Faithful tells discontent that, yes, he used to be friends with those men, but now that he's given himself to Christ, these men have disowned him, and he them. And as a further repudiation, Faithful tells discontent that he had misrepresented the valley of humiliation, for before there is any honor, there is humility, and a haughty spirit comes before a fall. Proverbs 18.12 We must, loved ones, be on the lookout for discontent and thwart his attempts to latch on to us and to steal our joy. He will find his way into our lives whenever we expect worldly solutions or success that Christ never promised. In reality, the Lord mostly promised trials and tribulations in this world and that the solutions and successes are the heavenly things. And Paul told us, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Amen not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Amen. Philippians 3, 7, 9. Now faithful tells Christian about meeting with shame. Another gospel cheat ever ready to attack your heart, your faith, The ramifications of faithful's commitment now are severely put to the test by means of shame's relentless denunciation of true Christianity. Shame's belief and boast should not surprise us. God's ways are not man's ways, Paul tells us, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians one eighteen, Faithful says, But then I began to consider that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. Luke 16.15 And says to Christian, I think we must pray to our Lord for help and resisting and fighting shame. For he desires us to be valiant in the truth while we go on our pilgrimage upon the earth. Listen, loved ones, Christians exhibit shame in their actions every day. 
by shirking public prayer at restaurants, by hiding their Christianity, by not talking to people about their faith, laughing at persecutory jokes, and on and on. This exhibits shame's power over us, and it is shameful. Well, as this lesson draws to a close, let's remember these spiritual truths. The delight of Christian fellowship, the danger of spiritual pride, the defeat caused by shame, and that discontent robs us of our joy. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are our living God, the great I Am, and the one above all others. We come humbly before you this day, Father, asking for strength and courage as we seek Christian fellowship, as we seek to overcome spiritual pride, and as we seek to vanquish shame and discontent, and thus be bold in your name, that we may live our lives in such a way as to bring you glory and honor forever and evermore. We ask these things in the name of our prophet, our priest, and our King, Christ Jesus. Amen. In our next episode, we'll discuss chapter 6 a faith beyond words. Until then, loved ones, may the comfort be with you always to guide you in the way that leads to the city. 